Listener Production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Oh, he's got the headgear off him. This is and welcome to the Footy Talk League Summer Series, where we're showing you something else that we also make here at the Listener Studios. The Howie Games is Australia's number one sports podcast. It's where the biggest names in world sport go one-on-one with Mark Howard. And to date, he's published over 200 episodes. So the next couple of episodes you'll see in this Footy Talk League feed is from the Howie Games. We've produced mini episodes here just to give you a little bit of a taste of some of our favourite NRL guests that have joined Howie on the show. Today, we're listening back to a chat that Howie had with Rabs Warren in two 2018. In this mini episode, he will talk about his upbringing, his growing interest in his passion, then how he got into sports broadcasting from being a policeman, and what he thinks about calling the big moments. This is Mark Howard sitting down with Rabs Warren back in 2018 on a mini episode of the Howie Games. Can you tell me about your mum and dad and your upbringing? You're from a very small yeah. town. I'm from a, a little town called Junee, which is uh, equidistant between Sydney and Melbourne. It's a, a railway town. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but if you didn't work on the railway, then you didn't have a job. Um, and I started as an apprentice fitter when I was 14 and a half with my intermediate certificate. Um, mum and dad had started me at school a, a year earlier. I think I was only four. But I got um, swept away by sports commentary because they both liked having a little dabble on the horses. Right. They loved a little gamble, sixpence, threepence, a shilling. So what year were you born? I was born in 43. What type of house were you born into? Oh, well, I've got pictures which I haven't got on the wall, but I should have. Um, I was born in a little weatherboard home um, and, of course, we we had a fairly a fairly large family, but at the end of the day, we had no hot water. We had a a fuel oven that was always providing hot water on the uh, on the on the on the oven part of the or on the top deck of it. Um, mm. There was an outside dunny. Uh, there was no rotary clothesline. Uh, you had clothes props that kept the clothes up. So fluttering just, in the breeze. You had to sneak out in the dunny at night time? Absolutely. Redback spiders under the seat. <laughs> um, my brother and I slept in the same room um, and I think there were 10,000 white ants in the house at one time. Uh, we, had that, we had the fumigation process there. Um, we didn't have a refrigerator. We had an ice chest. Um, we obviously had no TV because it wasn't in. Uh, what else? We lived in the kitchen. And that brings me back to Ken Howard. Um, with mum and dad having the gamble uh, of a Saturday, I emphasise that there was only racing on one day, and um, they'd have their bets and I'd listen to this man calling the races and I'd ride a broomstick around the kitchen table pretending to be him Um and I got swept away by him to the point that he, he became a fascination and then an obsession. And, and that's where I got this desire to be him one day. And I went pretty close, you know. Uh, when I sit back and think about it, I went 
pretty close to uh, to the to the level that he was at. My word! Yeah, There's not 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 in race calling, but probably I'd I'd have to I'd have to say uh, I'd have to say modestly uh, in in rugby league certainly yeah. Steve was telling me, and he said, "I must read your book, The Voice," which I did, and uh, yes. I found it very entertaining. Um, it got some great stories in it. Yeah, um, the funny part about it, most of them are true. Right. Well, yeah. well, I think we should try and bring a few of them to life today. I've got no doubt they are. But one, one of my favourite stories is because you said from a very young age that this is something you wanted to do. Yeah. You started commentating in your own house with marbles, from what I can gather. I did. I did. Um, I, I was trying to work out in my own little mind. I mean, by now I'm seven or eight. Yeah, I, I should I should have told you. Yes. Dad let me have my first bet when I was six. <laughs> What's your dad's name? Joe. Good on you, Joe. When yeah. you were six, right? Yeah. I was six years of age and he let me have a bet in the AJC Derby of 1949, which proves I was six. <laughs> and I backed a maiden and maidens are not supposed to win derbies and uh, it won. How do you place a bet in 1949? Well, I'll tell you the truth. The SP bookmaker, that's the illegal bookmaker because that's all there was. There was no TAB. They would come round to the house, knock on the front door and take mum and dad's bets (laughs) and mum and dad's money and they'd come back on the Monday with whatever they had to get back. Why are they called SP? Starting price. Right, okay. Yeah, starting price bookmakers. In other words, you couldn't have a bet on the tote there, there was no such thing provided to the, the public via the TAB. So if there was winnings, would he come back during the week and pay Yeah, them? he'd come back on the Monday. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and um, he let me back Playboy uh, in, in 1949 and most people would go shock horror, shock horror. Fancy a man letting his son have a bet when he was six. But I thank God he did because it led me down this path. Um, it also led me into a life of gambling. You know, I I don't deny that I love a punt, uh, not on football but on the horses. Um, but anyway, about seven or eight, I I had a big tin of marbles. How did Playboy go? He won. Yeah, he won a 20 to 1. 20 to 1. So I got 10 shillings. Do you recall listening? Absolutely, yeah. And I, what was I, that I, feeling like? Well, it was... It, to me, it was no big deal, but now I realise, looking back, that to back a winner, it is a big deal. You that know. was the hook that got you. That was the hook. That, yeah, it got me. Uh, <laughs> God love Playboy. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I had a tin full of marbles because, as kids, we played a lot of marbles, and I kicked the tin one day. I almost kicked the bucket, and the marbles went everywhere. And our house had. Our house had a lot of valleys and it had it was a pretty rough house, let me tell you that, you know. And the marbles all rolled towards the side door, down down a, a piece of lino. And I thought, if I take out all the different coloured ones, I emphasise all the different coloured ones, I can roll these down that slope and I can call them as horses. <laughs> and that's what I did from the time I was about seven or eight Every afternoon after school, you'd find me rolling marbles down a slope and calling them as horses. <laughs> so that's how it started. 
And then I, then I, as I got older, I'd climb a tree and I'd pretend I was Alan McGilvray calling the cricket. I'd get up a tree and pretend I was Frank Hyde or somebody, you know. I, I was doing it all by, by the time I was 12 or 13. So you're a, you're a copper. Mm. Um, and then is it at that time? Not only was I a copper, I topped the squad. Uh, so I, I don't know how I did it, but I, this memory of mine, being able to remember, you know, horses and footballers, I think they call it a photographic memory. Mm. So studying law, it wasn't difficult for me to remember and to, to, uh, to get high marks in law, you've got to be able to remember the statutes and the legislation almost, almost word for word. Uh, and I'm not being egotistical, mm. but I, I was proud of the fact that I came out as ducks of the squad, but I, when they put me into uh, the practical side of it, I didn't like it at all. So you receive a phone call six years later when you're policing? Are you still in the police force at that stage? Yeah, yeah, and that's when I had to go to the superintendent and I said to him, I've been offered the chance to do in life what I always wanted to do. Uh, and he said, what's that? I said, I want to be a sports commentator. And I said, I, I dream of one day being Ken Howard. And he said, who's Ken Howard? And I said, well, he's the, the greatest race caller of all time. So he deliberated uh, for about five seconds. <laughs> and he said, go with my blessing, you know. He, right. said, he, said, I, he said, I've watched you closely. He said, I don't think, I don't think this is your job really. He said, and, and good luck. Uh, and away I went, cross country to Young. This is your first? First radio job to LF Young. How did you get up there? You have to drive up there? Yeah, I drove. Right. Yeah. What are you rolling in at that stage? Uh, I think I had a Valiant. Okay. Yeah, I had an old Valiant and I left the wife uh, in Canberra. Uh, we'd had no kids by that stage and um, went to Young, called mainly the football on radio. Um they had a famous old competition called the Mark Cup. Do you remember the very first match? Yeah, I was at West Wild. A big, big one. It was Bar Medman versus West Wyalong at Bar Medman. Nerves? Oh, horrible. I <laughs> drank a bottle of Mylanta, I think, <laughs> uh, before the broadcast. And, and keep in mind, you're sitting sitting at a card table on the sideline. Oh, so you're directly on the sidelines? Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. No broadcasting box. Right. Uh that was the same as it was in Sydney. We, we used to sit on the sideline here in Sydney for a, a long, <laughs> long time after I started. I used to sit next to Frank Hyde and Tiger Black and John O'Reilly from the ABC. So how, but, do, how, how would you study the players for this well, first that, game? Well, I was just going to tell you that. Uh, Bar Medman and West Wyalong are they're probably, a, I think, about two-and-a-half-hour drive uh, across, across gravel roads... So on the Tuesday night, because back in those days the players only trained Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I, I talk like that sometimes, Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> I, I love to, um, to be a bit lazy when I talk sometimes. But on Tuesday I would drive across the gravel road, corrugations, God knows how many springs I mm. or, or shock absorbers. In the I, yeah. And I'd watch them train. Bar Medman on Tuesday, and then I drove to West Wall on Wednesday, um, Thursday, and I'd watch them train, study the faces, and then I'd go and broadcast the match on either the Saturday or the Sunday. How do you reckon you went in that first game? I would have thought terrible, mm. yeah, but 
they kept paying me and it was the first time I'd ever been paid, to be honest, to, to broadcast any sport. What you would know? you got paid in your first gig? Oh, pretty much nothing, right. really. I lost, I lost at least 50% of the wage I was getting in the police force uh, to go into radio, yeah. Which is a, it's a, it's a decent risk as a young bloke that's married to give up half his wage. A lot of people I'm sure would have been saying, yeah. hey, Ray, what are you thinking here, mate? You're right, you know, uh, but, you know, that, that's why you surround yourself with good people um, and, and I'm not with that, that first wife any longer, but she was a very good person, still is. Um, but she was ready to do whatever I wanted to do, you know. That, that, that was one of the, the downsides of, of, of my life, I, I, I think. You know, I, when I married her, I, I was a policeman and then I, I got into what I wanted to do, so suddenly the policeman became a sports commentator mm. and as a result I was never home. <laughs> And to isolate your career is impossible. And I was having a look on YouTube last night, which is a wonderful resource, and just looking at some highlights and your voices, obviously, across them all. There's there's a certain, and I'm not a rugby league expert, being a Southern Stater, and that's my ignorance. There's a certain call that I heard and I was reading about where you described it as not a try as a miracle. Yeah. that That's the thing that, of the hour that I was watching last night, Ray, that's... What stuck in my mind? Where I thought, yeah. wow, he's just bloody nailed that. Trailing 12-10. Langer pushing it wide. Walters onward. Khan joins in. Floats the pass for Renoff. Renoff down the touchline. Beats one. Gets it in field. Hancock gets it on. Queensland are coming back. Darren Smith for Langer. Langer gets it away. Here's the big fella. Gets the pass on. Coin. Coin goes for the corner. It's a funny thing you say that. Um, it's a big call. It's a big call to to label something a miracle. Yes. You know, I, I remember the try. It was Mark Coyne. Set it up for me. In 1994. Origin. And, yeah, and uh, Queensland are down as often they've been yeah. in a decider. And uh, the ball goes through 11 sets of hands and it finishes with Mark Coyne on the same side of the field that it started. It came across from the eastern side all the way across to my side, the western side, and then it travels back to the eastern side and 11 people handled the ball and eventually Mark Coyne, he plants the ball over the line and I said, you can imagine by now I'm on my highest octave, I yes. can't get any higher. And I said, um, that's not a try, that's a miracle, you know. And there was a voice in the background let out a shriek and that was Paul Vorton. <laughs> he, he, he put in his own, his own crowd effects, you know. But <laughs> the, the, they were my words, that's not a try, that's a miracle. And then Billy Slater, he scored a great origin try in 2004 and, again, I put a label on it when I said 
Billy Slater has just scored one of the most memorable origin tries ever, you know. And when you stop and think about it, you, it's, it's not like somebody sitting at a typewriter or a computer. You can go back and rub it out, nice. you know. When you do what we do, uh, you, can't, you can't take it back. It's gone. And it's on the news. So if, you if you've got it, the wrong label on the bloody thing, you know, you feel like a goose for the rest of your life. Well, when you're at the Qantas Club the next morning and you don't want to see it and yeah. all of a sudden the news pops up yeah. and there's your voice, yeah. it can be a horrible thing. Yeah. It can be a bloody horrible thing. <laughs> this is the hardest question I'll ask you to date, and I know it'll be hard for you. you got one rugby league player playing for your life across all teams, origins, positions. Who's the best? Who's the one you say, yep, he's my man? Oh well, you're probably asking. You're probably asking me uh, who's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and I'd say, I'd say Wally Lewis. Um, and the the reason I say that is because he was in the first Origin match in 1980, and he had a he had ten years of Origin football, and it's 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 the toughest brand of football in rugby league. When I say brand, there's Australia, there's Origin, there's club football. But he, I think, won eight Man of the Match awards hmm. in, in, a, in a decade and they called him the king and it was his kingdom hmm. and he reigned over that kingdom for a full decade. So you can, mention, you can mention a heap of other players, including one bloke that I work with at Channel 9, um, Andrew Johns, you know. Andrew dominated at Origin but only for a couple of years, you know. Brad Fittler, ditto. Lewis, uh, Lewis gets my vote, but I've got to tell you that I've been going, I've been going to the football and broadcasting for fifty-two years. Uh, and when I first came to Sydney, uh, my first call would have been seventy seventy-one. Bob Fulton, he was, he was a craftsman. He was just absolutely brilliant, you know. But then I've seen Arthur Beetson, Graham Langlands. I've seen, seen everyone. Uh, I've seen everyone: Ray Price, Michael Cronin, um, Billy Slater, Smith, Jonathan Slater. Thurston, Cameron Smith. So, how do I know how Wally would have gone against them? I don't know. I mean, when you think about it, Cameron, Cameron's played mid forties. He's played. I think he's played forty six Origins. And Wally only ever played 31. Mm. So if you use that as your yardstick, maybe I've chosen the wrong one. But I don't think I have. I don't think I have. So that's just a small taster of a bigger episode that you can listen to via the link in the description of this podcast. In that longer episode of the Howie Games, you'll hear Rabs speak about calling other sports like tennis and swimming, getting sacked from Channel 10 and his fear of flying. To listen to more episodes with Howie, you can listen to the Howie Games on Apple, Spotify or the Listener app. We'll be back with some brand new Footy Talk League content in the 2024 season.